was the night before Selection Sunday, and all through the court. Not a sneaker was squeaking, not even Nike Air Force. The brackets were hung by the wall with great care, in hopes that March Madness soon would be here. The shockers were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of Jayhawks danced in their heads. And Krzyzewski in tie, and I in Iona cap, had just settled in to watch Ethan Hap. When out in Gonzaga there arose such a clatter, Mark Few sprang to the sideline to see what was the matter. Away to the basket, De'Aaron Fox flew like a flash. Not to be outdone, Frank Mason then dashed. The light from a three fresh out of Joel Berry's hand, almost eclipsed by the shadow of Caleb Swanigan, so grand. And what to Dylan Brooks's eyes should appear, Iowa State's Monte Morris and turnovers that disappear. Kevin Keats and his Seahawks, so lively and quick, I knew to watch out for a Jordan Bell pick. More rapid than the trigger from Malik Monk's hand they came. Patino's Cardinals, they pressed and trapped them by name. Now Scucci, now Dom, now Mello and Bonzi. On Motley, on Trier, on Brunson and Lindsay. To the top of the glass, straight to the block. Now rebound and dunk and say rock chalk Jayhawk. As bounce passes to the post that feed Justin Patton, Joe Lowell will arrive and shots he will flatten. So off to the first round, the teams, they all flew. With backdoors aplenty, as Princeton Tigers so do. And then in a twinkling, a two-pointer from Nova, led by Jay Wright, always dressed like Casanova. We focused on the games, often four at a time. Down the chimney, Huggy Bear came, one of the best of all time. He was dressed in a jumpsuit, all yellow and black. Press Virginia he leads, point guard sweat, that's a fact. The Wolverines were there too, three-pointers aplenty. Dana Altman as well, his ducks so scoreboard friendly. The Big 12 is best, Coach Huggins so bellowed. Don't forget the Bearcats, said Cronin, that confident fellow. The magic of UCLA comes when Lonzo rubs the lamp. But can Bryce Alford make threes like Connor Frankamp? Those eyes, how they twinkled, the final four would be merry. Florida's like a Sunday, Kevon Allen, the cherry. The quiet SMU, so very under the radar. Oklahoma State can sure score, but can they go far? The grooves of the ball stick tight to the hand. A loose ball on the floor? Matt Farrell's your man. The legends are here. Phoenix is their pinnacle. Just open your eyes, look. Danny Manning and the Miracles. The games will be great. We hope to see some OT. Trayvon Blewett leads Xavier, overcoming great injuries. With a wink of an eye and a twist of the head, more games will start up. There's nothing to dread. Time to speak, not a word. Just sit back and relax. It's the best time of year. Sorry, old Roy, it's a fact. Gus nails fishy lines. The story so goes. To the microphone, Mike comes. Always together, they rose. Right to the podcast, bell jar sound the whistle, and now they will fly like the down of a thistle. But I hear them exclaim as the NCAA tournament starts the fun. Happy March Madness to all, and shoot the ball, London!
Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. My chocolate chip scone tasted just a little bit better this morning. The coffee was just at the perfect temperature. You know why? It's the night before March Madness. Gus, the wait is over. And... We even get an hour out of the way of the wait. Thankful for Daylight Savings Time. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Thank you for your personal consumption of the Screen the Screener podcast that we are manufacturing on March 11th. The best time of the year is really here, Mike. So you're telling me we get three rounds of Gonzaga St. Mary's, three rounds of Duke UNC, What a March treat, and tomorrow we even get three rounds of Cincinnati SMU. Oh, man. As viewers, listeners, fans, uh, former student athletes, what else do you want out there? Listen, we aim to improve your commute to and fro. Thank you for plugging us into the car or into your headphones or into your earbuds on that run, on that ride, or that time spent outside. You know, maybe you're walking your dog early in the morning or late at night. Thanks for throwing us in for a couple of minutes at that point. Take a deep breath. You felt that? Yeah, that's the March Madness Mike Randall was talking about. So enjoy the hard work and the results that follow hard work around the block every single time. We are always thankful. We're always so humble. We're honestly honored to chat NCAA hoops with you at the best time of the year with Mike and our ever-increasing audience. Ahoy out there at rhancock19. We love the bold Kansas prediction. And at March O Madness. We like the O because we feel like it's a little bit St. Patty-ish. Love all the hoops chatter. Very nice. Salasha. Gratulatia. Happy to have you all tune in, Mike Randall. For real, it's the best time of year. You know, I got to think back now, Gus. It's amazing. So Gus and I have been best friends for life, and he had a dog growing up. He just mentioned a dog named Duke Burger, one mm. of the greatest names of all time, Duke Burger. It's a Cocker Spaniel, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, Cocker yeah. Spaniel. Very good. Good memory. I feel like we've come from walking the Cocker Spaniel outside of your house, talking in 1990 about UNLV, Pounding Duke, Arkansas Razorback, Todd Day, Lee Mayberry, right, back in 1990. And now here we are. We're doing the Screen the Screener podcast, and we're about to start the 2017 March Madness preview show. Gus, it's been an honor, my friend. Thank you for taking this ride with me. I can't wait to get started. Let's do it. Listeners, thank you for jumping on board for the ride that Mike and I have piloted and we're happy to have you all as passengers in the back and we're hoping that you guys like call up to the cockpit and say like hey guys you should talk about this or hey guys turn right here just let us know what you'd like to hear and we'd love to go ahead and address that so thank you so much listeners uh mike do you want to start with some quickie non-qualifiers intrigue because there were a couple of interesting games that we probably need to talk about that don't have March Madness uh, invite implications? Sure. Let's do it. Let's do the non-qualifier things that matter because they do matter. They matter in the seedings. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, Friday night was pretty awesome. And the, the main, you know, the marquee of Friday night was number six UNC and number 14 Duke. It was round three. 
It was awesome. It was in Friday night. It was in New York City. All of those things made it really unique. Unbelievable win by Duke. That, that carried them to the ACC Tournament Championship. The one thing I think we need to pay attention to here is as soon as Joel Berry got in foul trouble and Coach Williams decided to put him on the bench to bring him back later on the game, that is when the game turned. We've been talking here all year on the Screen the Screener podcast about how important Joel Berry is, how talented he is, uh, how much he means to that particular Tar Heel team. And that was totally on display here in New York City, in the big bright lights for everybody to see. As soon as he went out of the game, the game turned. Duke got, an, Duke got, the, Duke got the lead back. And then UNC came back, tried to fight back, and couldn't quite get there, even with Joel Berry back in the game. If nothing else, I think this just cements Joel Berry's value and worth to UNC's title chances this season. I think two things. First, great win by Duke. They Absolutely. Really, really needed it. They're coming together. Grayson Allen off the bench, 18 points. Hello. Welcome to the bandwagon for Duke. Mike Randall. And Tatum is a star. You called it, 24.7 rebounds. Frank Jackson, 15 points. The new and improved Frank Jackson. I'm going to go a little uh, – Gus, I'm going to do a little cloak and dagger for you. Hmm. You feel like Roy kept Joel Berry out just a little longer than you probably thought he would have? Yep. I bet that was on purpose. And here's the thing. It's not that he didn't want to win the ACC championship. But when you get to the finals last year and Marcus Page makes that shot and Chris Jenkins hits that shot to, to not, you know, to eliminate your team from winning a championship, that's why they're, that's what they're talking about. As much as I bust St. Mary's last time and I said St. Mary's season is based on being in Zaga, UNC wants a championship. They don't need another ACC championship. They want a national championship. I think Roy, in his head, we could put him a lie detector one day. He likes chocolate. I'll give him a chocolate bar after Lent. We'll, we'll hook him up, and I'll say, Roy, did you leave Joe Barry out a little longer on purpose? And I think he did. This is what he got out of it. He got 19 from Kenny Meeks. He got 19 from Isaiah Hicks. The 16 from Justin Jackson. Pinson, Bradley, Britt gave him some good minutes. I think he wanted to see how his team responded. I don't think, Gus, if that game's the NCAA tournament, Barry's staying out for the long. He only played 24 minutes. You only played 24 minutes. Carolina's not being Duke. But I love the fact that some people make cool on Carolina because of this game because I find it very funny. I love the fact that some people are going to cool on Carolina too. I think they're going to be a, like not off the radar, but I think this will like take a little of the shine off of them. But I'm not taking any of the shine off of them personally. I, I'm still a big UNC fan. I think if he's on the floor the whole entire time, they win that game and they're playing for the championship tonight against Notre Dame and they're going to be totally – outsize Notre Dame and, and totally dominate that game. So I'm totally with you, Mike Randall. Um, and, another, and, Gus, and Gus, I oh, bet. Yeah. Sorry. And I bet Shoot. if Duke had beaten them in the regular season in that second game, Barry's coming back in that game. Once he got, He's not going to get swept by Duke. That would be a psyche thing. Plus, you know, bragging rights. The fact that Duke won, that UNC won that second game, I think changed it. We'll, we'll see. I have no proof of this. This is just total gut feel. I'm shoving my chips in the middle. I'm calling the guy. Uh, another game that we need to pay attention to that did not have March – uh, implications for invites, but maybe March implications for seeding and bubbledness, for lack of a better term, is the Seton Hall Villanova game. Villanova pulls it out 55 53. Nova, how bad do we feel about double double machine Angel Delgado missing a bunny to possibly tie it at the buzzer and he couldn't get it home? It was a really classy move by Josh Hart to go up. Very classy. And, you know, 
say whatever he said to him, give him a hug. I, I, Mike, I know as former student athletes, collegiate student athletes, that's exactly what we would have done. Absolutely. And what we have done, like in competition, when things went our way or didn't go our way, I know that we went up and gave a little fist bump and a, and a hug just like that if something didn't go way, go the way of the person that we were competing against. So I thought that was a really classy move that really brought me back to like our like competitive moment um, personally. Um, do you think that this loss is like the definition of a good loss? We totally poo-poo the good loss here on Screen the Screener, but do you think this might be one of like the five examples all season of a good loss for Seton Hall that might put them in? I think they're in. I think they're going to be in. I think they're going to be in the first four in Dayton. I really do. The answer to your question is yes. Yeah. I, and, and I hate when people get critical over last second plays or shots that would only have tied the game. People are making it seem like Delgado makes that shot. They're in the tournament. No, if they beat Villanova, they would have definitely been in the tournament. But Delgado makes that shot. They're tied. It goes back to 86. I'm going to go baseball on you. Bill yeah. Buckner feels that ball. Yep. They're going to more extra innings. It's not that if Buckner feels that ball, the Red Sox win the title. Right. That means the Mets created an incredible comeback. We're playing in Shea Stadium, and the Mets probably win anyway. And that's the same thing. Delgado, I felt badly for him, but it should not be his fault. Listen, Seton Hall gave it everything you had. Delgado gave you 8-8. Eight eight. Carrington gave you 11 points. Desi with 14. Our guy Powell with 11 points off the bench. Yep. They did a good job overall. Villanova is just great. Villanova is hot right now. They won the Big East tournament. Reynolds is back. He played well tonight in the Big East championship. Villanova's peaking at the right time. Yes, I think it's the definition of as good a loss as you could have if you're trying to get into March Madness. Gus, I think they're in. I think they're in too. And how about how complimentary Jay Wright was of Coach Willard in the post-game presser? Yeah, it was impressive saying that his team was really prepared and coach Willard did a great job of prepping his team for exactly what was coming. And, you know, sometimes that, you know, that third round, you know, what is coming on every single play. And obviously Willard has his team coached up and he had an opportunity to bring it to overtime. They just couldn't close the deal. Uh, and last one that, uh, we'll get to also occurred in New York. How about the Dayton Davidson game? Great. One. Uh, Day- Dayton was the regular season, a champs. <clears throat> And we said on the podcast that Jack Gibbs, even though Davidson had a down year, was good for a win or two in this tournament. And you know what? He got he got Davidson two wins. This game was tied with just under a minute to go. And guess who hit two huge threes in the last minute? Huge. They're huge shots. I mean, that guy, if he's not fun to watch, I don't know what is. Like, if you're not a college basketball fan and haven't watched – Jack Gibbs play this year or his entire career. I don't know what's and you know we talked about this uh, a podcast two or back. He's dealing with a number of injuries, not just one injury. He doesn't have a bum ankle. He doesn't have a bum shoulder. He's got like four different injuries, and he's still wearing the mask. I love the mask. That's one of the injuries. So I was really impressed. I, I think we need to give Davidson a little love. I think we need to give Jack Gibbs a little love. The fact that they were able to pull out two wins in this tournament. They will obviously go on to the NIT. I hope they make it to the finals and get back to Madison Square Garden. That would be awesome for Jack Gibbs uh, in his career. 
it was just I, I think a player like that of that ilk that hasn't come off the court, he could obviously sit down with any one of the injuries that he's like kind of maintaining right now. And you know what he's choosing to do? He's choosing like literally he's suiting up. He's got like the probably like the Nike Under Armour thing for his shoulder. He's probably got like some sort of like walking boot for his ankle. He has the mask on. Like the guy is I, I'm, I'm just really impressed with his approach. Yep. Really impressed. So kudos, Jack Gibbs. Kudos, Davidson. I'm so glad you guys got a couple of wins in that tournament. And I hope that you guys get a couple of more postseason wins in the NIT. Yeah, and, and not not upset about Dayton at all. Still high on Dayton. Trust me. I see them in that Absolutely. bracket. No problem. Guy yeah. had a, Gibbs had a night. Guy has a night. At any time, he can take, you know, people can take the game over. Gibbs did. 34 points, three uh, three rebounds, three assists, 5'11 for three-point range, 12-22 from the field, 5-6 from the free throw. And he had a night. Uh, Dayton did a good job. Double digits from Pollard, Williams, Cook, and Scucci. Daryl Davis off the bench had eight points. Still high on Dayton. They ran to a buzzsaw. They're going to be even more under the radar. Still like this team a lot. I agree. I don't think there's any reason to get off the Dayton train. I think it's just, you know, clap, clap, clap. Congratulations to Davidson and to Jack Gibbs. Like, when you run into a great player like that, sometimes that happens. And even though he's compromised by injuries – that's why he's a great player because he can still pull out a moment like that in the final minute final minute of any game. Uh, I hope he gets some rest. I hope he gets healed up a little bit. And uh, let's hope for an NIT uh, highlight from Davidson. That'd be no, sweet. No, totally agree. All right, you ready to get to the invites? Yep, let's do the invites. This is in no particular order. I think it's just in the order that I might have seen these games. Scrambled okay. order. We're so excited, people. It's a scrambled qualifier order. They're yeah. coming left and right. And we're coming right back at you like a ping pong match. Mountain West final from Las Vegas. Nevada outlasts Colorado State. This Wolfpack is always dangerous. They have four second-half comebacks where they were down by double digits this season. With, of course, the signature one being at the pit in New Mexico and being down 20 with, I don't know, three-ish minutes to go and coming all the way back and winning the game in overtime. This is a habit of the Nevada team. They are never out of a game. They are never the the game is never over if you're playing them. This is this is an unbelievable habit that you hate to see if you are a big blue blood team and you're playing somebody. That means they are never closed out. They are never done. This team is an issue. It's a major issue. Let's start with the players. Jordan Caroline is the dude here. The six seven guard puts up all kinds of numbers. I just love this guy. He's not the leading scorer. He's not even the second leading scorer. He's just a difference maker. He makes a difference in the post. He makes a difference on the boards. He makes a difference on the defensive end. He makes a difference with big shots. He is a difference maker in the NCAA tournament. If you're going to pay attention to one person on this team, Jordan Caroline is the guy. He was part of that gigantic comeback against New Mexico. And I, I don't think that he's going to lose sight of the moment that he's going to have in March later on this week. The big man who had an off game in the final is Cam Oliver. He had a bit of foul trouble here, but even with the foul trouble, he put up 14 boards. He will even hit a three when the opportunity presents itself. He is just another difference maker. Keep an eye on Cam Oliver. And you know what? I can't even believe that the third guy we're mentioning is the team's leading scorer. 6'3", Marcus Marshall. The guard averages about 20 points a game and just under four assists a game. This team is unbelievably dangerous I'm going to put them up just a notch below the Wichita State 
level of mid-major ready to upset somebody in March just below them. I think they're really talented. They're coached unbelievably well by Coach Musselman, who knows exactly what he's doing. He's got his players playing the right way. And the Mountain West has a history of pulling an upset every now and then. Mike, you buying that this team is dangerous next week? You know, I was staring at him, and I'm saying, boy, we have not really talked about Nevada all year. You mentioned the players, Oliver, Marshall, Caroline. Caroline at 23, Marshall at 21. They shoot the three. They shot 27 attempts. I agree with you. I think this is a team. I put them in the same spot. I can't believe you said that. Right below Wichita State. They're going to play somebody. You do not want to play this team. It's not a team we talked enough about because the Mountain West has been so poor in the NCAA tournament. But this is a team that could cause major, major problems. All right. And they're very well coached by Coach Musselman. He's bounced around a little bit. He's had some NBA experience. Uh, Very highly regarded on the coaching front by all coaches, NBA and college. A little bit of an offensive mastermind. I think this team needs to be paid attention to, and I don't think anybody's going to really pay attention to them. They have players at every position. They have difference makers at a couple of positions. So the fact that they have players at every position on the floor, and then they have difference makers as a couple of those players, I think this is an upset waiting to happen. Think about if you're like, I don't know, like you're a five seed and you see this team. Like this is a 5-12 upset waiting to happen, no doubt. That's the way I see this team. I really, really like the Wolfpack, and I really, really like the players that they bring to the table. And you know who is on this? Our guy, uh, Eric Fawcett, gave us a little shout-out and gave us a little preview. He he liked Cam Oliver yep, in the preseason. Very true. Right? So, I mean, uh, we did get a little taste and a little like, hey, you should pay attention to this, and now we're paying attention to it. Look at that. Amazing. Yeah. We got real under-the-radar team, Nevada. Can't wait to see their plan. Okay. So the next place that we're going to go, obviously, or not so obviously because we're bouncing around like crazy, is we're going to go back to MSG, and we're going to go right back to the Big East. Villanova closes out undermanned Creighton, and it's about time that we give the Wildcats a little love. P.S. This is just like an overall arcing concept. When's the last time that any of us referred to Villanova as the Wildcats? Now, that's a brand, right? Yeah. Well, Like, everybody just calls Villanova Villanova or Nova. Like, for real. Like, we know big Villanova fans. We know Villanova uh, graduates. um, We know Villanova student-athletes. When's the last time anybody referred to them as Wildcats, right? It's just Villanova. Like, what a brand. Holy smokes. You brought back – you brought up the point that Reynolds is back. Is this correct? Yeah, he's back. He's been back-to-back 20-minute games, but yeah. I feel like they're they're easing him in. He's got to play a huge part because he's going to have to defend the post. You know, they get like a Purdue as a fourth seed or something like that. Yep. Yep. So, or, or just a spoiler alert, Wisconsin. Um, they're basically, So they're working him back in, but their bench is good, Gus. Uh, Pascal I love. I'm a huge Pascal guy. DiVincenzo gives him some good minutes. Painter even played a couple minutes tonight. The bench is good. They needed Reynolds for the depth, but he's back. So go ahead. Let's put Josh Hart on the first-team All-American. Go ahead. Let's argue amongst Biggie, Lonzo, and Frank Mason for player of the year. He's that good. Uh, He showed how good he was in that Seton Hall game where points were at a premium. What did he do? He came up with points on an offensive rebound and a putback. 
The guy is a difference maker. He's been there before. He's done it last year. He was the best player on a championship team last year. I don't know what's not to like about Villanova. You have Jenkins, who's a big shot maker. You have Brunson, who's an unbelievably steady point guard. And you have you mentioned like a couple of the role players. Like those role players know their role. They know not to overstep the boundaries. They know like when it's go time, give the ball to Brunson. Let let him make a decision. Get it to Hart. Get it to Jenkins, and just do the other things you're supposed to do. I love that the roles on this team are so defined that there's no questioning, there's no jealousy, there's no I'm going to go for mine. Like everybody knows what's going to work on this team and everybody does that exact thing. You know what that is? Kudos to Jay Wright. Coach Wright does it the right way. Big time. He he has it figured out and he has those guys believing that each one of their roles is really important to their team success. And then also like those individual roles are important for like their own individual success too. So the fact that he's got the dichotomy of belief in his team that like, okay, look, your role is not going to be to score any points this game (laughs) and just to go ahead and rebound board and defend, but that's going to help us win a championship. That's a hard sell sometimes as a coach to a student athlete. Yeah, I totally agree. Only thing I got to say on this game, everything you said was perfect. I don't even need to repeat any of it. What I'm going to say is kudos to Jay Wright. It is great to see a head coach put his best player in different positions to score. I hate when the coaches run that stupid dribble dribble weave at the top of the key where nothing happens. Josh Hart gets the ball coming off staggered screens away. Josh Hart gets the ball in the post. Josh Hart gets double teamed. He passes out. Josh Hart brings the ball up the floor. Josh Hart hits threes. That's Jay Wright in a nutshell, doing a great job. He's the best player on the floor almost every time he steps on the floor, or maybe every time in college, and he puts him in positions to score 29 points tonight. First team All-American, lock it up. No question, lock it up. Okay, so since we're bouncing around, let's go all the way mid-country, and let's go Big 12 final, Iowa State and West Virginia. Can people... When you go ahead and, and consume your highlights and look at and look for your highlights tomorrow, can we please look for that De- Deontay Burton alley oop pass? It was sick. Sick. He, he got is it. a great athlete. A great he, athlete. He's awesome. Like he got the he got the alley oop like mid air, and then when he got it, he actually cocked it back while he caught it, and then rammed it home. Protect your neck. <laughs> totally protect your neck. Holy smokes! So. We've sung the praises of Monte Morris. Let's just do it one more time. It's a familiar song, right, folks? He's a stud. With this win tonight, he becomes the winningest player in Iowa State history. And it's his third Big 12 tournament championship of his storied career. Wow, that's a great stat. That is tremendous. The guy is unbelievable. All he does is win games. He wins big games. He makes people pl- he makes people around him better. All he does is make things better. Again, NBA scouts out there, please stop paying attention to how tall he is and please start paying attention to how what he does on the court. We've championed him as like the king of assist to turnover ratio. Six to one this season, which is completely outrageous with his amount of usage. If we go ahead and look at his usage numbers, he's one of the most, um, the balls in his hands, one of the most, 
out of everybody in the country, maybe him, Frank Mason, a couple other people, that's it. The fact that he has a, a six to one turnover ratio is absolutely insane. People were asking us on Twitter, like, what do we feel about this team? You know what? How about this? How about we get away from how good are they going to be? How far are they going to go? And how about we just say, like, holy crow, I can't believe they just won the Big 12 tournament title. They are completely undersized. They are completely outmanned. And they are completely out-talented by some of these teams in the Big 12. Yet, guess what happened? They won in their championship, the third one in the past four years. Can we just celebrate that instead of like trying to predict like what's going to happen to them next? So if we are going to predict what's happened next, how about this? How about they make the Sweet 16 again? They've made it two out of the last three years. Why not do it again? They have one of the best point guards in the nation. Uh, Mike, are you fully on board with Iowa State? Do you feel like they have some shortcomings? Or are we just going to celebrate their championship and just leave it there and not put any of the forecasts on them? Locked and loaded on, on Iowa State. I love seniors. I love senior guards. I've come around on Monte Morris. The guy's even better than I thought he was. Steve Prom's done a great job. Tale of two seasons, Gus. You're talking about an Iowa State team that back on February 7th lost at Texas. You know, and I'll, I'll go. Well, let me I, I, I remember that. Yeah, let I me remember go, that. Yeah. Let, me go, let me go even further. Wait, hold on. I'm talking about a team, Gus, that back on. Tuesday, January 31st, they lost at home. They lost home to West Virginia, 85-72. That was back-to-back losses. At Vanderbilt, they lost by six. And home to West Virginia, they lost 85-72. The reason I'm talking about that is because they were 13-8 and and 5-4 and on the last day in January. And no one, especially myself, thought this team was making an NCAA tournament run. Since that point, they've gone 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, They've gone 11-2 and two since that point. The very next game, they beat Kansas in overtime. Yep. Then they lost a little stumble at Texas. And after that, one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row before losing a, a close one they were in at West Virginia. Now they've won three games in a row. They won the Big 12. The team is live. 23-10, and 12-6 overall. I got them penciled in. Gus will do this in a minute as a three seed. They've done an outstanding job across the board. That's outrageous that they're going to be a three seed. And if we had this conversation a month ago, like they're on the bubble. That's amazing. I I got them as a three. No worse than a four. I can't see them low in the four. But that's incredible given that they were on January 31st, 13 and eight, five and four conference. Total bubble team. Wow. Holy smokes. Uh, Monte Morris is awesome. Can we just stop the conversation right there and just say he's awesome and – I think he's back in the conversation for first or second team All-American where, you know, if we hit the rewind button back to where you put it, like the 13 and 8, like there's no chance that he's doing that. The fact that this team is being that successful puts him back in the conversation for sure. Let's bring it back to the East Coast since we're jumping around all over the place, right? Let's go to the America East. We talked about the America East, how they uh, play their preliminary rounds early and then, you know, give like that final exam week to prep for the final. It was worth it. Vermont completes the clean, undefeated season with a second half comeback against America East traditional power Albany. The Catamounts take it. 56-53. Our guy Frosh, Anthony Lamb, who we championed last po- a few co- podcasts back, overcame a poor shooting day and still posted a double-double, 12-10. and 10. He found out what it might be like the first game of the big dance when he gets all the defensive attention. Uh, Albany definitely gave him that in this particular game. Here's what we loved about this win. You ready? 
Vermont shot at 33% from the floor the entire game. Let that sink in, listeners. They were in trouble. I tweeted it out. 33%. I tweeted on the account, Gus. They were in trouble. I thought they were going down. I couldn't believe it. They did not play. They did not shoot well. That's for sure. And they won. They won the Tory title. And they completed an undefeated season in the conference. And they continued the nation's longest winning streak in Division One at over 20 games. All shooting 33%. Call it mojo. Call it karma. Call it luck. You know what we're going to call it here? We're just going to call it March Madness. I think Coach Becker is going to have a few teaching points after this uh, game with this team. Uh-huh. Oh, and guess what? Guess who was in attendance? You know who they showed in the crowd? They showed Taylor Coppenrath and TJ Sorenstein, Vermont legends. Talk about good karma in the crowd. Come on, Mike. That shot from TJ Sorensen gets a foot deeper every year, right? It's like a 35-footer now. Every year, and it's so good, it's worth getting it every year. It's amazing. And they, <laughs> it and, they and they talked about Hooley's shot as well. Albany shot when he, his mom had passed away. He made that three against uh, Stony Brook and, and put them into the, the tournament as well. Some great shots. America East basketball is very, very exciting. We talked about last time the week break between the semis and the final. Thank Bill's anticipation. Yep. We, sh- we should learn this in the future, though. The line was 9.5. That game is always close. Because a week, week off causes momentum to slow down. It's always off. Nine and a half. I give credit to my uh, my, my cousin, Jer, who, who predicted that one correctly. And I thought Vermont was going to blow him out. Uh, really quick, 17 for Henson, 12 for Lamb as the freshman. Did a real nice job. Seven to eight from the free throw line. Hit some big free throws late as well. Did not have a great game. He's only two of 12 from the field. Right. Uh, Trey Bell Haynes, real good penetrator. Again, he did not say we're only 33%, like you said. They did shoot 37% from three-point range, and they made their free throw, 75%. Uh, Albany, always tough, always gritty. Did not have a great season, but they're going to play you hard. Uh, Nichols was, I thought, the best player on the floor for a while. He was 6 of 25. He ended up from the field, but wow. uh, 1 of 9 for three-point range, but was just crafty. Listen, Vermont escaped. They got to the tournament. They have a 21-game winning streak, I think it is, longest one in the country. They're a team I want to see the matchup. You know, I wish they would have played better. I, I I was a little frustrated with how they played because I think they need to be a little more explosive on offense to pull that first-round upset, but I'm rooting for them, and I think if they came in against the right team, they could pull the upset. I agree. I think they're a live team. I think there's something to pay attention to. I also think that the ma- they're totally matchup dependent. They, could, I mean, if they're matchup against Villanova, then that's not going to be a situation, but if they're matchup against somebody frisky, then – We'll pay attention to it. But congrats. I mean, they have the nation's longest winning streak. They went through the regular season undefeated, and then they capped that undefeated season with a tournament championship, shooting 33%. Kudos, Catamounts. Up next, let's go to the MEAC, the M-E-A-C, where North Carolina Central tops Norfolk State. 68-59. We're just going to say it right now. We love 6'5", Newark guard. Patrick Cole. There. We said it. We love the numbers. So grab a hold of these numbers, listeners, from Cole. He puts up 19.5 points per game, seven boards, and almost six assists, and he throws in a steal just to get you giddy on the defensive end. Speaking of numbers, keep an eye on Rashawn Madison. You ready for this number, Mike? You're going to love this number. Over 250 250 attempts from three. Paul. He's open right now, right? Hey, look, this team is going to – they're going to push. They're going to play hard. They're going to have student athletes that will not be afraid. They'll shoot it. They'll shoot it from deep. They'll probably shoot it often from deep. If they shoot it straight, 
let's give them a shot. If they don't shoot it that well, then it's just going to be the blowout that you're expecting. But we gave you a couple guys to pay attention to here. Congrats to North Carolina Central for winning the championship and getting the March invite. Good job by North Carolina Central. As we always say, it's tough to win the regular season and win the tournament, which is exactly what North Carolina Central did, 13-3, 25-8 overall in the MEAC. Love the team, play hard, coach did a great job, very happy with the win over Norfolk State. Norfolk State, team that beat Missouri a few years ago, so don't sleep on the MEAC. Their representative can always cause some issues. Correct. I feel like that team that comes from this conference is always has players. This team has players, good too. Good offensive players. Yes, good offensive players. Good team. offensive players. Let's head back to New York City. Let's go ahead and address the ACC final from Brooklyn. Let's talk about Duke and Notre Dame. Duke comes all the way back, beats UNC, beats Notre Dame, and wins the ACC tournament championship as a five seed, first time that's ever been done, and gets the automatic invite from uh, from the conference. Not that they were not going to get invited anyway. It was a great matchup for Duke because Notre Dame is undersized and Duke has been playing undersized as of late with their particular lineup that they've been putting out uh, for the most minutes per game with Jefferson and Tatum, Kennard, Jackson, and Matt Jones. So they matched up very nicely with Notre Dame with better players and NBA players on their side. And plus throw in the injury to Bonsi Colson where he had to go back to the locker room that doesn't do any favors for Notre Dame at all. Mike, after watching some of this game, I know that you said last podcast that you're fully on board and kind of on the Duke bandwagon again. Does this uh, reaffirm your feeling? Does this take away anything about Duke, or does this make you feel differently about Notre Dame? What are your feels on the ACC final for Brooklyn between Duke and Notre Dame. Completely on board with Duke now. Grayson Allen coming off the bench changes everything, as does Frank Jackson becoming an issue offensively. If Jefferson plays well, this team can beat anyone in the country. He struggles against big players, but tonight, 14 points, 5 rebounds, only 3 personal fouls. Jason Tatum, another great game. Kennard is always going to get those big shots and take them. Grayson Allen off the bench changes the entire dynamic. I'm on board with Duke. I want to see them in a big game in the matchups. I think their floor is high. I don't think they're losing before the Sweet 16. But they've really come around. I give all the credit to Coach K. Great job here by Duke. I feel like Coach K's move to uh, put Grayson Allen coming off the bench is a very USA basketball move. He has to like deal with all those egos and convince like somebody like Carmelo Anthony to maybe come off the bench or somebody like Kobe Bryant to play a lesser role. So I feel like he just gave – Allen the same sales pitch and said like look for us to be really successful you have to be in this role when your coach has talked to NBA all-stars and future NBA Hall of Famers about this role and he comes and talks to you about it you know what you say sounds good coach and I'm hoping that's exactly what Allen said about his change in roles for this particular team and this role is a familiar role for Allen he came off the bench to play some big moments for the last Duke National Championship team, perhaps he can reprise that role. I'm not sure. We'll see. But I agree that this Duke team is live. And I'm definitely looking the same direction that you are, Mike Randall, and putting them directly in the Sweet 16, perhaps further. Congratulations, Duke, on your championship. Congratulations, Coach K, on your, NC, uh, on your ACC tournament championship. How about the SWAC final? 
Texas Southern tops Alcorn State 53-50, not the barn burner that you know you, you expect from these uh, uh, mid-majors. But Texas Southern is back in. They've been in the last couple of years. They've been in the playing game on that uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, let's talk about the let's talk about the players a little bit for uh, so people can get get to know Texas Southern. This edition of Texas Southern junior guard came up with a big game here. Uh, the six four shooter put up fifteen points and twelve rebounds in the title game. But really, the guy here is Illinois State transfer Zach Lofton. The six three guard averages seventeen point five points per game and four boards. The guy just puts up numbers. The other guy to keep an eye on here, too, is, again, we love talking about the undersized guys, is 5'7 Frosh, Dementre Jefferson. The point guard is averaging about 18 points over his last six games. He's kind of fun to watch, and he's waiting to break somebody's ankles out there. So just be careful if you're manned up on him in that playing game, because it seems like Texas Southern is headed for that again. Now, Texas Southern went out and played a bunch of teams, as they always do. They played Baylor, Louisville, Cincinnati, LSU, TCU, Arizona. And, and you know what? That's what you want to see. You want to see these yeah. teams playing somebody because they're gonna. That, that's the experience. It's tough for me to get behind a big upset for a team that hasn't played anyone right. and hasn't been totally, totally dominant, especially through the conference tournament. Now, they've been in the playing game on Tuesday or Wednesday the past few years, and they might sneak out of that game into a 16 or, or a 15 seed this year. And last thing about this particular team, let's not forget, Mike Davis is still the coach there, and he coached in a national title game while he was at Indiana with Jared Jeffries and that whole crew. So they have the coach that knows how to win games and has been to a title game in the NCAA tournament, and they have some decent players. And he always bring, brings in good transfers. And as Mike said, they go ahead and play big people every year at the beginning of the season just to get ready for this. So Texas Southern, congratulations on making the invite. We hope that you are live. And I hope that you guys are in that Wednesday, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday game and have an opportunity to win an NCAA tournament game. Another example here, Gus. We're talking about the SWAC, Texas Southern, 16-2 in conference, beat Alcorn State by three games. 23 and 11 overall, and won the conference tournament as well. Let's see how, what they got. Again, mediocre team for an upset here. Not really seeing it. Probably will be more lower towards a 15 or a 16. But we like the accomplishments. Played well. Great job at the Texans Southern. Let's see how they do. Uh, speaking of lower seeds, the MAC, the MAC championship, Akron and Kent State matched up. Kent State upset Akron. They just seem to have their number. I'm not sure what it is. They beat them during the regular season, too. Old school big man Isaiah Johnson could not make the difference for Akron. And Kent State just seemed to beat them once again. I, 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 I guess the matchups are just pure there. Jalen Walker did his thing. You love when a player goes big in the championship game. He went for 30 in the championship game. Walker loves big games. He loved playing against uh, Central Michigan as well. Expect him to put big numbers in his game next week. This seems like a 16 seed waiting to happen, which means Kent will be playing a kind of home game at Dayton. That might be something to keep an eye on on the Tuesday or Wednesday games. So it, when you see those 16 seeds matched up and you're looking at the lines and so on and so on, like, Keep an eye on that. They're probably going to travel there, and they're probably going to have a giant fan base at Dayton when they're playing because they're the sixth seed in this particular conference tournament. The Golden Flashes are led by 
68 Jimmy Hall from NYC. The student athlete averages a triple-double for the entire season. He averages 19 points and 10 boards. I want to see where they're placed. I think action might be need, might need to be taken on this team because I bet they're going to be live and as that play-in 16 team on Tuesday or Wednesday because their fan base will travel to go see them in Dayton. Interesting, interesting March invite. Yeah, Kent State's an interesting one. During the regular season, 10-8, and eight, four games behind Akron in the conference. Pulled the upset here. Interesting type of team. This 30 points for Walker. He went nuts. Uh, two or seven from three. Could he be been even better than he was. But he played 39 minutes. Never comes off the floor. Flammable team. Not a team that many te- people are going to take seriously. Fourth in the conference, much like a South Dakota State gives me pause in predicting the upset. But right. certainly, like we said, teams that come from the MAC, the MAC, are usually good scorers. They're not afraid to take shots, and they have that aggression that, that like the Middle Tennessee State had last year. So let's see. How about we head to the Big Sky final? Weber State and North Dakota. This this one went to overtime. What else do you want from March Madness, man? Look, there's no Damian Lillard walking through that door, but it is the first time the Fighting Hawks are in. So appropriate. Let's just give a little love to six-foot guard Quinton Hooker. He got it done. He went for 28-5. and five. He averages 18 points a game. I hope this team and program gets a little spotlight next week. We're just going to say go fighting Hawks. We know that there's not going to be a big chance that you're going to advance, but we are so excited that North Dakota is in the dance. Let's go ND. And if we're going to go to another spot, let's go to a team you just mentioned, Mike Randall. Let's go to Conference USA. Our guys, so happy middle, about this. So, middle so happy Tennessee State. How ha- I mean, how great is it that, again, you brought up before, you brought up a couple times, that the regular season champ also wins a tournament championship. Middle Tennessee State takes down Marshall. Giddy Potts went for a huge baseline jam. This is on par with Deontay Burton's jam with about four minutes to play, and that was the defining moment in this particular game. Upshaw and Williams did their thing inside. Look, Middle Tennessee State gave us the biggest upset in tournament history last year, and this team might be better than that. Yeah, good luck out there, six and seven seeds. You're going to lose to this team in in round one. That's all I'm going to say right now. Incredibly live. Conference USA, 17-1 in the regular season. Won the the regular season title. Won the conference tournament over Marshall. Marshall had a nice run here. They're only 10-8 in conference during the year. So happy for Kermit Davis and Middle Tennessee State. Giddy Potts dropped 30. Ja'Cory Williams was the uh, Conference USA Player of the Year. Had 17-6 and six and had a big dunk as well in the last couple minutes. Upshaw with 15, 8 rebounds. This team is good. They're really, really good. They are dangerous. They got bench production tonight as well. Uh, where they get 14, 6, 20 points off their bench. Great job for the Blue Raiders. Middle Tennessee State, great to have you back. So happy that they're back in. Go Blue Raider Nation. All right, so the rest of the games that are – uh, weighing March invites are either going to be later on tonight when uh, the podcast is going to be either you know recorded or going on or, or getting put out to your earbuds 
or tomorrow. So we're going to skip over those particular games. Mike Randall, what do we have next for the listeners? Because I think this might be kind of exciting. Yeah, what what I did, guys, is I love the the predicting the brackets. I love that bracket preview show. And so I'm taking it my personal agenda here to try to see if I can nail this tomorrow for these top four seeds. I spent all day doing this. It's in the restroom, playing with my kids. I'm burning my sandwich at lunchtime, trying to break this down for you. So, Gus, what I want to do is you be the critique here. You be the teacher. I'm the student. I'm coming to the test. You tell me when I say something that doesn't make sense. I'm going to go region by region because the yep. location we learned mattered so much, right? And I'm going to tell you where I put these teams. And then you jump in. If you think I'm wrong, so be it. I'm not going to change it, but feel free to uh, to you know go at me a little bit if you think I'm, I'm not making sense. You ready? Yeah, I'm excited just to interject here. I want to hear. I want to hear your thoughts. All right, number one overall seed, Gus. Tomorrow is going to be the Villanova Wildcats. Okay, Check. I, I think that that's a lock. They're playing well. They're healthy. Won the Big East tournament, and they're going to to uh, New York City. That's where they're going. Right. I have no problem with that at all. This gets tricky. I think the number two top seed, so the second best one seed in the tournament, I still think is going to be Kansas. I gave a lot of thought to this. They do take into account when players aren't there. Kansas mm-hmm. coming into the conference tournaments by most people were considered the number one overall seed in the tournament. I don't think they slide below Gonzaga. They didn't give Gonzaga a lot of respect when they were undefeated. I don't think they're going to give him a lot of respect here and put him ahead of Kansas. I think Kansas is the number two one seed, the second best one seed, and they go to Kansas City. I don't see anything wrong with that. And I agree that Josh Jackson being out does play a role. I think they'll pay attention to that, whether it be injury, suspension, or otherwise. Good call. Continue. I I think the best thing that happened at Gonzaga, I shouldn't say best, I hate saying it that way, is Chris Boucher's injury. Chris Boucher, Mm. in case you didn't hear, is a torn ACL. He is going to be out, obviously, for the rest of the, the year, rest of the NCAA tournament. Because of that, I don't think the winner of this game, which, by the way, is Arizona 49, Oregon 39 with 13 minutes left. Arizona's playing great. I don't think that Arizona, 29-4, 16-2, is going to jump Gonzaga. I think Oregon could have. I think Oregon, even though they had the same record, Oregon had some big wins. Dylan Brooks was out, which they would take into account. So I think, assuming Arizona wins this game and Boucher is injured, I think Gonzaga is the third best number one seed they go to San Jose. I agree, especially because Gonzaga beat Arizona head-to-head. I I think it's impossible to put them ahead of Gonzaga since they beat them head-to-head. Agreed. Very good. Excellent. Last number one seed I still think is North Carolina, Gus. I I think they were ahead Mm. of Duke. The Joel Berry injury, I guess you could argue putting Duke there. I guess you could. I just think that's too big a jump for a team. What does Duke have, eight losses, something like that? Yeah. Um, I know North Carolina has seven, but they were without Berry also earlier in the year as well. I still think they're going to give North Carolina the nod because Duke has had some bad losses along the way. And I I will put North Carolina as the last one seed, and I will put them in Memphis. I think that's where it gets a little fishy. The ACC has had a number one seed, I don't know, for like the past 10 out of 11 years or something something crazy like that. So, of course, it makes sense giving them another number one seed. But I think this is where you could see some volatility as far as the final number one seed. I'm kind of with you there, but if I was leaning one way or another, I think I would go Tar Heels as well. Yeah, it could be Arizona. It could be UNC. It could have been Oregon. I think they're going to lose this game. And it could be Duke. But I'm still going to put UNC there. That's the one I'm unsure of. Now, going to the two seeds. The best two seed, Gus, is probably going to be either Arizona or Duke. I don't think it's going to make a difference. Let's give it to Arizona. Let's assume Arizona wins this Pac-12 game, okay? Yeah. They will be 30-4. and 
They'll be 16-2, and tied for first in, in the regular season with Oregon, and they will have won the Pac-12 tournament. They also, by the way, did not have Trier. They also didn't have Jackson Parker Cartwright for a while. It, it doesn't matter because Arizona would then go to San Jose, okay, which means they would play Gonzaga. So they'd be in Gonzaga's bracket because they get located near area. And Duke is not going to go to Memphis because UNC's there. So Duke's going to go to New York. So I got Villanova and Duke in New York, and I got Gonzaga and Arizona at West. Makes sense. Uh, I think it makes perfect sense to have uh, Arizona on the two-line. And I think it might be a little surprising to see Duke jump up to the two-line. But if you're going to play this well this late and win the ACC tournament and kind of get your ducks in a row, I don't mind putting them as a two-seed as well. Maybe they slip down to a three. I'm not sure. But I, I think that's where it could get a little fishy too. All right, last two, uh, number two seeds. It's Louisville and Oregon, Gus. I don't see anyone else getting in there. I don't see sure. Kentucky getting to the second line ahead of Louisville. I just don't. So you can't put Louisville in UNC's region in Memphis because they're in the same conference. So I'm right. putting Oregon, who could have been a one seed if they won this game and were healthy, in Memphis as the one seed with UNC, and I got Louisville playing Kansas. So to give you the seeds, Villanova's one, Duke is two in New York. In San Jose... No, no, continue, continue. I want to hear the rundown. In San Jose, Gonzaga's one, Arizona's two. That's a great one. In mm-hmm. Kansas City, Kansas one, Louisville two. In Memphis, UNC is one, and Oregon is two. Yeah, I'm okay with everything so far. All right, two, I like it. All right, two more to go. Let's go to the three seeds. This one got tricky on me also. Yeah, I think this is where it's going to get – I think this is where we're going to see like more variation on what could happen. If I t- – put it this way, Gus. I think the top three seed, the top number three seed is one of two teams – it's either okay. Kentucky, assuming Kentucky wins tomorrow, sure. or it's UCLA. I don't think the other seeds, which by the way, the other three seeds I have are West Virginia and Iowa State. I just think it's a lot for Iowa State to get that far. I mean, I still think they're going to be a three, but right. I will put UCLA and Kentucky's body work ahead of them. So Kentucky goes to the closest region. Let's say they're the top seed, and I put them in Memphis. So okay. that's UNC, Oregon, Kentucky, because that's the closest location to them. Sure, that's crazy. The uh-huh. next one is UCLA. Right. So that's the question, is you can't put UCLA out west, right? Now stick right. with so me you get, on this. You yep. can't put UCLA out west. So you could put them in Kansas City right? and put them with, with Kansas and Louisville. Makes sense. And if we do that, they go to Kansas City, which is a loaded bracket, and then West Virginia is my last one in, in uh, New York. So I yeah. got Villanova, Duke, okay. and West Virginia in New York. I got Gonzaga, Arizona, and Iowa State then goes out west as the last uh, three seed. And then I got Kansas, Louisville, and UCLA in Kansas City. And I have UNC, Oregon, and Kentucky in Memphis. Wow. that's All of those are loaded. I think Iowa State would be absolutely giddy to get a three, uh, along with uh, Duke being giddy to get a two. These are going to be tough to figure out if these come to fruition. I got to tell you that right now because all of these, every place that you've mentioned sounds loaded. The only, the only thing is this. I wanted to try to get Kentucky playing Louisville in the two, three matchup. Okay. Of course. The problem is you can't put UCLA next to Oregon. Okay. And if you put West Virginia and slide them around, you're having trouble with Kansas or somebody like that. So I don't think they can get Kentucky Louisville, but I know they will try. Moving right, up. right. I think I think the messiness comes from the ACC and the Pac-12 having two yes. 
Uh, I mean, having yeah. three of the that's top it. nine teams in the country. You got, that, that's you, where you, the messiness you, comes from. You totally nailed it, my friend. And here, yeah. I'll give you the last ones. Uh, top four seed I got, uh, number four seed, is Notre Dame. So wow. Notre, no, Notre Dame, great run. Really? Yeah. They beat Louisville, right? Got the monkey off their back. They beat Virginia. They've gotten the monkey off their back a little bit. Notre Dame going to the east. So there's no reason they can't be in the east. I know Duke is in the same ACC, isn't it? But they would only meet in the Elite Eight, okay? So That's legal. So Villanova, Duke, West Virginia, ND in the east bracket. Villanova, Duke, West Virginia, and ND in the, in the New York bracket. Moving to the next seed, I think, is Baylor. I yeah, think Baylor yeah, body Baylor of work was number one for a while, right? So yep. I put them in the closest region for them, which is, in this case, I put them in Memphis. The reason I put them in Memphis and not Kansas City is because Kansas cannot play Baylor in the Sweet 16, so they can't go in the Kansas City bracket. So I see again. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it's messy again because like you yes. have to figure out where you're going to put all these big teams from the same conference. That's it. So I got in Memphis, Gus, UNC, Oregon, Kentucky, and Baylor. Good golly. Right? <laughs> two, yeah. t- two teams left. I, I don't like Florida State. I, I'm very concerned about Florida State, but I think they like Florida State. I, I think I'll call it the Butler corollary because Florida State, all those big wins, they yeah. overvalue the big wins and they ignore the bad losses. So I'm going to put Florida State in. They go to the closest region to them, which is Kansas City. There's no reason they can't be there. That's sure. Kansas 1, Louisville 2, UCLA 3, and Florida State 4. Interesting. Okay. And I struggle with this one. My last top four seed, I, I think Wisconsin's going to win tomorrow. If it's not Wisconsin, put Purdue in here. I okay. will put Wisconsin in there. I will put Wisconsin getting hot. As the last four seed, they have to ship them out west. That's Gonzaga, Arizona, Iowa State, and Wisconsin. So, Interesting. So here's my rundown. Tell me what you think. In New York, Villanova, Duke, West Virginia, ND. Hard bracket, easy bracket. What do you think? I think easy bracket, and I think Villanova is thanking their lucky stars. Okay. Going to Kansas City. I got Kansas, Louisville, UCLA, and Florida State. That one's going to get fishy. That might be the one where, like – the sixth seed comes out like that yeah. might be the one where some craziness happens. I like the Louisville UCLA to lead eight matchup. And I think Kansas, depending on who their eight, nine game is, they are not losing to Florida state. I don't think so that that's, but that Louisville UCLA matchup is huge going out West Gus, Gonzaga, Arizona, Iowa state and Wisconsin. Look, if that's the way it breaks down, then Gonzaga and Arizona are on a collision course. I agree. Well said. It's totally going to be an, it's going to be an, awesome elite eight game to get to the final four if that's the situation i'd pay that that would be that would might be my number one game to see in this tournament if that was the case and last one gus in memphis i got north carolina oregon kentucky and baylor i gotta tell you right now that's the loaded one yeah that's the crazy one yep that's the one where any one of those four could end up in the final four and you'd be like yeah okay that makes sense like, oh, yeah, I could see that happening. I cannot like, see a way that UNC would lose to Baylor. I just can't, Gus. I, I couldn't see it. They can bang inside with Motley. They have so many extra things. But I do think out of UNC, Oregon, and Kentucky, any of those teams can go to the Final Four. How, how about this? How about, like, how about the same thing happens that happened in the ACC tournament? How about Joel Berry gets in foul trouble and yeah. they lose early? Oh, that's true. And then Baylor goes ahead and matches up with, you know, the 8-9 game that Carolina lost to. Yep. Like that could totally happen too. Again, 
if any one of those teams gets to the final four, you'd be like, oh yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Like absolutely. Really, that, qu- that one's loaded. I, I'd, I'd be frightened of that that particular bracket. Totally agree, man. Sorry, I can talk about this all night. Um, I, I just want to give you one more thing, really quick. New York bracket. Love Villanova. Love the way Duke's playing. Don't see a chance in hell West Virginia's making the Final Four. Don't see a chance that Notre Dame's making the Final Four. They just don't play enough defense. Those are my thoughts. Uh, can uh, also size restrictions there too. Yeah, definitely inside. Kansas City. Although I will say that Notre Dame would want to see a team like Nova if they had to play a top seed. They don't want to see Gonzaga with Shemek. They don't want to see UNC with Meeks and Hicks. They don't Correct. want to, Kansas too, but I think Kansas is a little harder matchup for them. But that's the type of team they want. Kansas City bracket. Kansas could make the Final Four, even though they're flawed. Louisville could make the Final Four. UCLA could make the Final Four. Florida State, sure making, Florida State make the Final Four. No, no, no. I don't think so. San Jose. Gonzaga could make the Final Four. Arizona yep. is scalding hot. I have to tell you, I would probably pick them to beat Gonzaga in that Elite Eight game right now. Nothing wrong with that. Iowa State, I, they're hot. I don't know if they're hot enough to get to the Final Four, but they're good. They are really, really good. Uh, Wisconsin's not making the Final Four. Okay. Uh, I think size restri- restrictions, again, with Iowa State. Uh, and I think just manpower restrictions with Wisconsin there. Again, collision course for Arizona and Gonzaga for sure. And last one, Memphis, UNC, Final Four caliber. Boy, I would love Oregon if Boucher wasn't hurt. Gus, yeah. I, cannot, I cannot see Oregon. They just cut it to four now. It's 60-56 Arizona. The, you, Oregon's not winning this game. Folks, we wake up tomorrow, Oregon wins this game. I'm going to apologize ahead of time. They ain't winning this game. Without Correct. Boucher, I cannot, Gus, put them in the Final Four. I can't do it. I as as great as great as Jordan Bell is, they do need that other difference maker on the court, and Boucher is that other other difference maker. Yeah, they're actually talking about now making um, Big B Williams try to be that difference maker. I mean, he's only interesting. Got, yeah, he's talented. He's, he's talented. talented. He's got three point six rebounds. He's going to get the minutes. He was not getting many minutes so far at this point. Uh, coming into the game before Boucher, he only had three. He's from England. He only had three points per game, two rebounds. But I, I just can't see that happening. And then uh, Kentucky. You know, Fox is hot. Man, look, we say this every year that they have talent. You don't know what Calipari is going to do with it. And then, boom, like they, they might be in the Elite Eight or Final Four again. Like, I, I don't think there's any underselling Kentucky. They have to be in the conversation, whatever bracket you're going to put them in. They have to be part of the conversation just because Fox and Monk are that good. And bam, is an issue inside. If they decide to get him the ball, they need two things to happen. Monk is great. We know that he had the two points per game two games ago, which was an anomaly. Monk's going to score in the tournament. Fox has stepped up his game in many ways. Fox is more important than Monk in a really lot, in a lot of weird ways for them. Bam has got to be fifteen and eight because yep. because Briscoe isn't getting it done. He just doesn't shoot. Teams are figuring it out. I like that he started Willis by the way in the game yeah. today. He started Willis and put Gabriel on the bench. I like that move. Floor spacer. You just they have so much talent. You can't sleep on them. But listen, could they beat Oregon without Boucher? Hundred percent, totally, hundred percent. I would no not pick question. them over UNC, but that's what we got. That, those are my breakdowns. Let's see, people, if I'm if I'm anywhere close on this. Little fishy on the UNC is the fourth one seed, but I think it's true. Yeah. Could give it okay. to Arizona, but it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning us in all week. Mike and I were so we we were just like pleased to give you all this information and give you the breakdown as best we could. Uh, we hope that you appreciated all the information that we tried to put into your ears. Uh, Belljar, thank you for taking us in and out all week. Uh, if you like what you're hearing on the intro and outro, you know, check them out on iTunes and CD Baby. Uh, technology department, 
just through the roof job all week getting all these podcasts out for all these listeners to listen to. Thank you so much, Technology Department. Technology, night before March Madness. And Mike Randall, you know what? That intro might have been the finest thing that this podcast has ever produced. Thank you so much for putting together and voicing over and putting all that prose together for everybody to hear. Very creative. My friend, I hear the uh, jingle bells coming in right now. Listen, folks. We can't wait for tomorrow. I'm giddy with excitement. I'm like my two children waiting for Christmas. Those brackets will come out. We're going to pass out and not sleep in excitement. We will come back to you Tuesday morning. We will tape Monday night with our biggest show of the entire year, breaking down the picks, who was overseeded, underseeded, who should have got in, why is Seton Hall not in, who knows. Thank you so much for listening. Screen the Screener podcast. Folks, I think I hear Santa on the roof. Yeah.